The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. Again, to a game from the radio, the official of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Marty Soros, speaking. We are here live on tape at our second annual 24th show at the East Meadow Jewish Community Center, right? That's right. In front of a live studio audience. I am here with uh, two very cool guys. I have, let me get my information all set up. I have uh, Demetrius Zarakis. Am I close? All right, Demetrius, say hi, Demetrius. Hi guys, how's everybody? Yeah! Woo! And we also have a um, friend of the show, artist extraordinaire, Brian Kong. Hey, how's it going? Brian! Brian's going to have to speak into the mic, so we're going to, so actually, well, we're going to pass it around like this. I wonder if it would be better if we had sat either way and I would have moved the thing back and forth. Well, it's too late now. So, um, we're going to be talking with two and about them, which is awesome because they are right here. But first, we're going to take it away with the news. The news is brought to you in part by the fine folks of the Big Apple Condor, which we are a radio show of, celebrating over 23 years of pop cultureness and comic book stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. Their next convention, which is the Big Apple Christmas Con, will be on December 14th of this year. One day show. I know they already signed um, Jim Strangle, legendary artist, uh, to be as a guest. I don't know if we have another headliner to be announced yet. Do we have a headliner announced yet, Karen? No, not yet. So headliners yet to be announced. So let's take it away with, oh, almost forgot, the uh, Patreons. We're going to do our shout-outs for our Patreons, of which they are Danny Grillo, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Two Sentence Horror, Millie Portez, Kyle Horn, Dresden Media, Onji Kun, Bree Nichols, and Shadow Rabbit Art. Um, if you want to have a, your own little shout-out, go to www.patreon.com. Look us up. It came from the radio. And just for a measly dollar, you get your own little shout-out. Uh, on our show. So now let's start off with the news. Start off with the sad news. Musician and actor Robert Axelrod has recently died. As of this recording, September 11th, no cause has been released. While occasionally appearing on screen, Robert is most famous for voicing the characters of Wizardmon, Valdemon, Armadillamon, and Anklemon in the cartoon Digimon. And, of course, the voice of Lord Zed in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Uh, were you guys uh, Power Ranger fans? Yeah. I mean, yeah, more my brothers, but uh, I grew up more on Voltron, so I'm a little more old school. But Brian, Power Ranger fan? Not really. All right, definitely, Brian, you're going to have to be on this side. So Brian is uh, doing the, the shuffle, don't trip over the chords. It's going to be interesting. That's is why we're live. Um... I met, uh, I met Robert at the Immortal Con a couple of years ago. Um, I'm a huge Power Ranger fan, as you may know. And he was a, a, a true gentleman. He was really kind. He gave us like, lots of behind the scenes of doing voice acting and all his time on Power Rangers. And it's really sad that it's weird when um, we do the, the news and we talk about people who died, that somebody who actually met and interacted with, it hits me harder because they're such a nice person, and it was really sad to see him go. Um, he was a young 70. 
Uh, moving along, for more happier news now, from the I think we're running out of things to reboot department, Paramount Pictures has just announced that it is set to remake the film Face Off, which originally starred Nicolas Cage and John Travolta, and centered around an FBI agent who surgically swaps faces with his criminal nemesis to, un to go undercover in his gang. Uh, no word on the casting yet, but Oren Uziel, who wrote the upcoming Sonic movie, Sonic the Hedgehog, is set to write the script. Do we have any uh, face-off fans? Oh, yeah. Audience face-off fans? Excellent. Did you see it? Yeah, it was great. You like that movie? I thought it was a great movie. Yeah. What? what? I don't know. Who doesn't think that's a great movie? <laughs> I did not think that was a great movie. Um, the fact that the idea was that they switched faces, but it's just the actor playing the other them, and they have not even the same body build in any way, shape, or form, was just too much for me to accept. Like, how could you get past that? I mean, I just try to enjoy it and take it for what it is. I mean, I didn't look that deep into it, so now we found somebody who's unhappy that I know. <laughs> All right, so what about you, Brian? Did you see Face Off? Were you a fan of that? Yeah, at the time, it was, I thought it was an entertaining movie, you know. I like John Woo also. He was a really good director. And uh, what are you talking about, man? You like the Power Rangers. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's the suspension of disbelief, and I could not disbelieve that suspension of Nicolas Cage and John Travolta being each other. I just couldn't do it. But fine, fine. We'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. Um, let's see. From the We're in this fight for the long haul Disney department. Netflix, the streaming service that is going head-to-head -head with Disney's streaming service, has signed a multi-year exclusive TV deal with Wonder Woman co-writer and director Patty Jenkins. Executives say, we're thrilled to welcome Patty Jenkins to Netflix. Her trailblazing work has pushed boundaries, and she's confidently tells stories that leave an unforgettable mark. We look forward to her fostering her many ideas and helping them come to life. Patty says, I'm so excited to embark on a great journey and making the new world of television with a company of a group of people I admire so much as a team at Netflix. I'm going to go digging in some great work together soon. Um, for those of you who don't know, Patty has worked on TV before, directing episodes on such shows as Arrested Development, Entourage, The Killing, and most recently the Chris Pine series, I Am The Night. Um, have you guys seen any of that stuff? No. No? He's in. I haven't seen it. What about the audience? Has the audience seen any of that stuff? No, okay, well, you've seen Wonder Woman. Has everybody seen Wonder Woman? All right. So I think it's kind of cool that Netflix is, is digging in deep, throwing as much money as possible to get her to be an exclusive contract. That means she can't do anything else but work on Netflix stuff. I think it's very interesting how they're going to do their best to go up against the mighty juggernaut that is Disney. And I think it's very sad because Disney's going to win, but at least they're giving him a, a chance. Are you guys going to get the Disney streaming service? Not right now, no. No, what about you? Uh, possibly. I mean, there's stuff that I want to see on there, like the new uh, Mandalorian series. But um, right now I'm still trying to pay my, my Netflix, so. <laughs> well, you are a, a, a Topps artist. With a, You do some of Disney sketch cards, right? Um, I mean, Topps has a license uh, for Disney uh, properties. So, but I mean, I'm not associated with them really. Yeah. You're not a you're not a Disney supporter. No, I am. I mean, everybody is, I guess. I'm not. <laughs> Whether they want to be or not, they don't, they they pretty much have everything. You know, for every property. It's like you know, if you have kids, all my my kids, you know, Disney, Marvel, Star Wars. So, you're feeding the mouse. <laughs> I'm 
Fair enough, fair enough. Um, so moving on from the... Here we go. Kelly, handle that for me, please. From the It's Not Our Fault, But It's Our Problem department, Sony Pictures CEO Tony Vincinchiera has officially stated that all talks with Disney to include Spider-Man in an MCU is done essentially ending the three, five-year picture deal. Tony says Spider-Man was fine before the event movies, did better with the event movies, and now that we have our own universe, he will play off the other characters as well. I think we're pretty capable of doing what we have to do here. We had a great one with Kevin Feige on the Spider-Man movies. We tried to see if there was a way to work, but it didn't. Marvel and people are terrific. We have great respect for them. But on the other hand, we have some pretty terrific people on our own. Kevin didn't do all the work. Uh, Spider-Man himself, the actor Tom Holland, says, I am not shy about expressing how incredible the last five years have been with Marvel. I truly had the time of my life, and in so many respects, they have made my dreams come true. As an actor, Sony has also been really good to me, and the global success of Spider-Man Far From Home is a real testament to the support, skill, and commitment. The legacy of the future Spider-Man rests in Sony's safe hands. I am really nothing but grateful, and I have made friends along the way. For those of you who are not paying attention, all this is the fallout from Disney wanting more money from the Sony Spider-Man films to keep them in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So now Spider-Man is free to team up with other Sony Marvel characters such as Venom and Morbius, uh, which have both of upcoming films, just to name a few. Um, do you have any thoughts on the whole Spider-Man Marvel thing? Um, not really. I mean, the Spider-Man just seems to keep getting rebooted, and I think everybody wants it to be with Marvel. So, I mean, I think that's the only thing everybody's looking forward to if that happens soon, hopefully. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the fact that Disney made it so that they're not the bad guy, but they really are because they're the ones that want more money. If they would have kept the deal fine, everything would be great. But Disney's like, we want more money because, for those of you who might not know, uh, Spidey, Spider-Man Far From Home is Sony's highest grossing movie of all time. It's made more money than any other movie that Sony has ever made in the history of Sony. So Marvel's like, uh, we want some of that money. And Sony's like, no. And this is where the problem is. Are you a uh, Spider-Man fan there, Brian? Yeah. Um, I enjoy seeing Spider-Man with the Marvel Universe. Um, you know, they, they were fun movies. But, you know, I mean, business is business, you know? It's like... Well, actually, that's an interesting point. Since you have your own comic book company, as a business man, what are your thoughts on the business end of this? Um... I mean, I, I see where Disney's obviously coming from. I mean, they feel like it's their property, you know what I mean? So they want a piece of the action. But, I mean, it's the deal that they got into when they, they first purchased Marvel, and they're aware of that. And I think they're going to work something out eventually. It's just a matter of time. So if you license your characters to two different studios, and one studio was immensely successful, and the other one was not so successful, but they can't interact... What, what, what would be on your mind? What's, what's your thoughts? Like, Disney is right. They should just, they should have paid, should, should, they should have given Disney the, what they wanted. Or is Sony in their right to stand on their ground and be like, this is what we paid for, this is what we have? Um, I mean, you obviously want something to get done. So you want to try to hopefully sit with them and see if you could be maybe the mediator and help come to some sort of agreement. But um, at the end of the day, Sony does have the rights and they get to call the shots for now. Fair enough. Um, do we, in the audience, do we have uh, Spider-Man fans? Do you want Spidey to stay with uh, Sony? Let's hear it. Yeah, you know? Yeah, I want to stay with Sony. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't like the Marvel 
Spider-Man. Did not like the Marvel uh, Spider-Man. They needed to get dark. They needed to get dark. It, it too much of a Tony Stark trilogy. Yeah, yeah right. fair enough, fair enough. Um, so moving on. Speaking of Disney, because Disney owns everything. From the, it's not a real thermal detonator department. Seems there has been some backpedaling from the TSA in regards to the Star Wars-themed Coca-Cola bottles shaped like thermal detonators used in the sixth Star Wars film, Return of the Jedi. The TSA says, we have completed our review and instructed our officers to treat these as an oversized liquid. Because these bottles contain liquids larger than 2.4 ounces, they should be put in checked baggage or emptied and brought on as a carry-on item. Originally, the TSA had said that replica items were not allowed at all because it, created, it could create a concern that it's a real thing. So the airline companies were worried that a prop that looks like a thermal detonator from a movie was a real thermal detonator for the planes. I, can, I understand their caution, but I think that's going just a little bit too far. Have you heard about this uh, beforehand? Do you have any thoughts on that? I don't know. Brian might know. Brian? Yeah, you were at, uh, the, uh, you were at the Disney thing, right? No, I wasn't at the Disney thing, but I, I did hear about it. Um, I mean, I, I haven't seen the actual thing in my hand. Is it plastic or aluminum? It's like, you know, I mean, they have Sprite and Coke symbols all over them, so I, I don't know. Well, I would think it would have to have tons of Star Wars and Coke stuff on the label. Like, it's easily identified as a, as a souvenir item because that's what they do. But the fact that it looks like a thermal detonator is what caused concern for the TSA. And I just thought that was kind of uh, an interesting uh, aspect. I mean, I, I don't know. I think it looked more just like a BB-8. I don't know. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, yes, from the audience. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, you know, there are grenades, very popular. They were very popular grenades. Grenade lighters. They're grenade lighters. And people did, yes, it did look genuine like grenade lighters. And he has a few grenades that were hollowed out. And and you would, but you wouldn't bring it. But let's say, but let's say, for example, you were going to a a military uh, uh, expo, and they had props that were filled with soda. (laughs) Would you buy this and be like, hey, I should bring this on the plane with me, knowing? Unless I got a permit. Uh, unless he got a permit from Trump. <laughs> so, so, so there, there is some logic behind it. So, yes, okay. Um, so moving on from the Zoinks, Jeepers, and Jinkies department. Uh, Warner Brothers has just released Scooby-Doo Return to Zombie Island, which is a sequel to the first of the now 33 direct-to-DVD films. What makes this extra interesting is that it's the only sequel in the it's the second sequel in the series, the first being uh, Scooby Doo and the WWE Curse of the Speed Demon, which is a sequel to Scooby Doo WrestleMania Mystery, and each film, much like each of the thirteen different Scooby Doo series, has been its own little soft reboot. So each one has been its own little universe. For them to make a, a sequel to a movie that made thirty three movies ago. I thought it was kind of interesting that they did that, especially since uh, being a fan of Zombie Island, it kind of took the original series, all the different incarnations, and made the monsters real. That was the catch of it way back when. Um, So it's weird that they're going to go back to that formula 33 movies in. Uh, Are you guys Scooby-Doo fans? Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, it was a big thing. So definitely I'm showing my kids now, so they're watching that. 
So you've been watching all the uh, the directed DVD ones? Reliving everything with them, so it's fun. It's definitely a lot of fun with the kids. Did you see uh, the Return uh, the Curse uh, Zombie Island? That was the first of the direct DVD movies. I don't remember, to be honest. Um, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, but it was the first one. That was. I saw one today. I saw one today with them with the werewolf or something. So that, that might actually be uh, the WWE one. Was that, did they guest star with the WWE? Uh, no, no, it wasn't that. All right, Brian, you have uh, children. You're a Scooby Doo fan. Uh, my children are Scooby Doo fans. I, I mean, I like Scooby Doo, but I haven't really been paying much attention to them on these uh, these movies. You know, I hear them in the background, so it's like. <laughs> so is, is that what it is? It's all one big movie. It all sounds the same. Pretty much, I think I've heard the uh, the WWE episode about like nine hundred times in the car. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's see. Um, moving on. Ooh, from the, I'm happy that it wasn't in the movie, but sad that it wasn't in the movie department. In a recent interview, none other than Ivan Drago himself, Dolph Lundgren, stated that Sylvester Stallone was upset that the rematch filmed for Creed Two or Rocky Part 8, was cut from the theatrical release. Dolph Lundgren says, for some reason, they took it out. I haven't seen it cut together, but I think it's on the DVD or something. Um, but Stallone was really upset. He wanted it in there. But I guess it broke the flow of the picture somehow. So there you go. Maybe next time. Uh, the scene never surfaced on any of the home media releases, but the behind-the-scenes footage can be seen on a YouTube page, and also we posted it on our Facebook page a couple of uh, months ago, where they were rehearsing the fight scene between Ivan Drago and Sylvester Stallone, which is kind of awesome. Um, Rocky fan, Creed fan? Definitely. Definitely. Did you see Creed 2? Uh, Creed 2 I haven't seen yet. That's the only thing I haven't seen, so... Well, would you have... How, how excited would you have been to know that there was going to be a rematch street fight between Ivan Drago and uh, Rocky in, in Creed 2? Um, yeah, it's extremely uh, exciting. It just As long as they serve it right, you know, do it justice, you know, then you'll be pleased with it. So until I see it, I won't know. But, but the fact, I, I got to tell you, having seen the movie, I, I, I saw the behind the scenes and I'm like, this looks awesome. But it, at the point in the movie where it was, it didn't fit. And I understand why they took it out. But, man, it's just so awesome seeing those two go at it. You're a Rocky fan there, uh, Brian? Yeah, who isn't? Um, Al-Qaeda? They're not, they're not fans. <laughs> <laughs> I, did I stump you? <laughs> I, I think I stumped him. <laughs> okay. I'm good. Um, I didn't even know that they had the, uh, the street fight. Um, did you see uh, Did you see Krita? Okay, so when they were in the hospital, that was when they were going to have the fight. So it was going to be in the lobby of the hospital when he was. Uh, spoiler alert: when he was when he was in uh, when um, Creed was in the hospital and uh, they both talked at the at the lobby. That was where the fight was going to be. So if you look at the like I said, if you go on YouTube, you can see them duking it out. It's really cool. All right. Oh, I mean, I, I enjoyed the movie the way it was. Um, I don't know how that would flow with it, but you know, I guess it would be cool. Exactly. So it's like I said, it's something good, but it's also something bad. That it's something that that would have been cool to see, but it didn't need to be where it was. Um, so finally, finally, for final bit of news from the finger licking game department, KFC has gone into the video game making department with its own dating simulator, where you get to woo none other than Colonel Sanders himself. The game, 
called I Love You, Colonel Sanders, A Finger-Licking Good Dating Simulator, will be released on September 24th, and according to the website, will feature nine lovable characters, multi multiple hours of playthrough, a dateable Colonel Sanders, a secret ending with secret recipes, cooking battles, battle battles, you can earn a degree from the Fictionary Culinary School with 11 herbs and spices, uh, cute miniature food, and it is officially created by KFC, all in an anime-influenced style. So yes, for you guys who have dreamed of wanting a dating simulator with Kentucky Fried Chicken's very own Colonel Sanders, now's your chance. Are you ready to go out and get this game? No, absolutely not. <laughs> What about you, Brian? Would you, would you go out and get this game? I don't have any comment on that. <laughs> it doesn't. I went to the website. There is no price on it yet, but it's going to be released on the 24th of September. So you go there. 20, you would think it would be $20? I said no more than 20 Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. Wait. From the audience, from the audience is willing to pay under $20 to get this game. So so $18 you're going to pay to, to date Colonel Sanders. Is that what you're saying? Is, is that what we're going with? She says she has a lot of YouTube. All right, so she's going to use it for research purposes. That's that's what she's going to do. All right. <laughs> you want, it says you get a you get an online culinary degree from Kentucky Fried Chicken. So I don't I don't know what does that mean? Like, can you can you imagine? You you go, you play the game, you get the degree, and you go to like a real cooking school. Yeah. I have a degree from the Colonel Sanders dating game, and then I'm wondering like, what's the end end result to this? Like, is it that you date Colonel Sanders and you get to be in charge of his empire, or 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 what? Like, is the goal to be Mrs. Colonel Sanders? Like, it's just mind boggling. What it is, and it's oh, like I said, it's totally legit, all in an anime-influenced style. But yeah, so that's so that's that. Um, so when it comes out, I'm, I'm actually gonna hopefully I'll, I'll see how much it costs, and I'll put that up on our Facebook page. But yeah, I mean, how much how much would you pay for something like that? Oh, he, the look on his face, the look on Dimitri's face right here answers the question. But since we're radio, how much would you be willing to pay for that? Nothing at all. Not not even ninety nine cent. Not even ninety nine cents. Brian, well, not even. You gotta. How much would you pay for that? I'd rather buy my uh, my meal deal over there. Five dollar box. <laughs> It'd be fun. All right, there you go. Five dollar box. All right. All right. So that's it for the news. We're gonna take our break, and we'll be right back with the King from the radio. Yeah. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. Hey guys, want to impress everyone at your next party? Shock them all with a custom cake. Anything goes. Classic wedding cakes to wild party themes. Follow my social media for weekly videos and photos. We're a Long Island-based cake shop. Custom Cakes by Christie Incorporated. K-R-I-S-T-Y. Call or text anytime. 631-606-8000. 
800-242-8166. Hey everybody, this is Todd McFarlane of the Record Setting Spawn comic series. And if you're looking for any kind of cool conversation about creators, about entertainment, about all that good stuff, you go to It Came From The Radio. You're listening to the right spot. Hello everyone, this is Envoy Comic Distributors, the independent distributor for independent minds. We represent some of the finest small press and self-publishers out there today. To learn more about us and our publishers, search for Envoy Comic Distributors on Facebook. And shop for us online at envoy.storeenvy.com. That's E-N-V-O-Y dot S-T-O-R-E-N-V-Y dot com. Have a great day. Hi, this is Aaron Gray from Buck Rogers in the 25th century, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Whether you're looking for pre-code horror, good girl art, or superhero comic books, check out NotFromThisEarth.com. They specialize in rare comic books, but they also have an extensive stock of popular comics to help you fill in the holes in your collection. That's NotFromThisEarth.com. Use code W-A-R-Y to receive a 10% discount on your entire order. Also, make sure to stop by our booth at the Long Island Comic Expo, Sunday, November 3rd, at the Long Island Hilton. Admission is just $5. Hi, everyone. This is Tom Christopher. I had played Hawk on Buck Rogers on the 25th century, and you are listening to It Came From Radio. Now, back to our show. This is Bookworm Batson on It Came From the Radio. The Oswald Chronicles by J.D. Calderon. I read this book and I didn't think that I would like it. However, after reading the first snippet, and I call it a snippet because it was very short, um, my first day was amazing. This is a wonderful piece of an origin tale. It introduces you to the main character, Oswald. He's a talking bow tie wearing mouse and his first quote-unquote adventure. I loved it. It was informative. It gave a backstory which was credible and credible, the idea of a talking mouse having all these fantastic adventures. It also was bittersweet. And although it was an origin story, you got a strong feeling for the main character. It was a little sad. I got to tell you, this I don't want to give it away. I recommend it. It's a great read. It's interesting. It's wonderful. I think that the stories in here were short, sweet, some of them were sad, some of them were kick-ass fault for our listeners on the radio. If Frodo was a mouse in the city, this would be his story. I loved it. It was fantastic. I recommend this. I give it five squeaks. Squeak, 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 squeak. It was amazing. I recommend, recommend, recommend. And if I didn't read it for free, I would buy it. It was awesome and amazing. Run out there, get it. I didn't think I would like it. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Rave, 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 which I rarely do. But I'm going to rave about it one more time. Okay, so go out there. It's called The Oswald Chronicles. It's by J.D. Calderon. I loved it. I hope to see more. If you like reading things that are dark, doom, gloom, happy, light, twigs of dread and anticipation and and sweet and sad and bittersweet and wonderful all rolled in one in your fantasy and in the fae and your trolls and gremlins and goblins and all. Read this. Recommend it. 
If you want your book to be reviewed, send it to Bookworm Batson, care of It Came From the Radio, Post Office Box 134, Rosedale, New York, 11422. Now, back to our show. And welcome back to It Came From Radio, the official of the Big Apple College. host, Mark Torres, speaking our live show for our second annual uh, live show at the East Meadows Jewish Community Center in front of a live studio audience. I am here with our special guest, Brian Kong, and I know I, I wrote it down so I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't mess it up, Demetrius Zarakis. Yep, All right, so let's start with Demetrius, because Brian's been on the show many times, and so we know about Brian already, but Demetrius, you're new, so why don't you tell us about yourself, how you got involved, and how you two started working together, so there you go. Okay. So, um, I mean, I started uh, Black Box a couple years ago. Um, the first title we launched was IT, and that we worked on with several guys from basically DC Comics. So we had a great team there, um, and one of them I'm actually still working with, and his name is Andy Owens. Um, we're planning on releasing a new title called Project Icarus, so that's scheduled right now for, I would say, probably January, February of next year, because um, we just submitted that to the uh, distributor. So that, that, that's coming out really good. Um, I don't want to give away too much because it's really too early for that one. Um, but the ones that we have right now that are out, uh, we have Militia, um, which Chuck Dixon wrote. Chuck is known for writing the most pages, I believe, in comic history. Um, he's asked, Actually, he's got his own book called Levon Cade, and he has a deal, I believe, with Sylvester Stallone that they're trying to develop that. Um, so Chuck is a fantastic writer. I mean, he's been around for a long time, and he's just written top books. He's the creator, of, co-creator of Bane. I'm sure several others. So the book that he did for us is called Militia. Um, it's basically from a female's perspective uh, of being in the military um, and the challenges she faces, and how she leads her team, and and how they they follow her. Um, so there's a couple of different missions within the series. It's one arc. Um, it's a five-issue series, and um, it's it's going really good so far. I mean, we've had a lot of interest in it. We've had a lot of reorders from from Diamond, um, so it's good to see that people have that um, interest in it. Um, other books that we're doing, um, one right now is also out, Cyclist. Cyclist is by the co-creator of Underworld, Kevin Graveau. He also created I Frankenstein. Um, Kevin, I've been talking to a lot. He's a fantastic guy, easy to work with. Um, you know, he's a busy guy. He's always like going around on cons all around the world. But um, he really did a great job on the script. Um, I worked a lot with him on the, the concept that I created and uh, the characters we try to build. And um, the first issue sold out, sold out before the book even came out. So everything was being ordered online. Um, we had comic shops reaching out to us for more books, so we had to do a reprint. So the second reprint is slightly different. We changed the color so people could know what the difference is in terms of which is the first printing and the second printing. Um, I'm actually getting messages even while we're on the show that people are ordering it. Um, we also did a variant. Um, the variant's done by Patrick Blaine. Um, I believe he worked for like Top Cow for a while and some other publishers. And he painted the variant cover, which looks fantastic, and I'll show you that in a bit. Um, trying to think who else is working. Jonathan Lau, he's our main artist on the book. And Jonathan usually is working for Dynamite, but he's, he's like a top-notch artist. I mean, he's really, really good. He brought the dark, gritty, noir style to the book that we needed. Um, our 
colorist is Adriano Augusto, and he's done a fantastic job as well on the coloring end of it, and he brought what we needed. He didn't oversaturate anything. Um, the book just looks the way I expected it to look, so they, they executed properly. Uh, Cyclist 2 is dropping um, at the end of this month, um, so I, I have a copy of that for you, so you could check it out and give us a quick review before it comes out. Um, I'm trying to think what else we got. Oh, Kickstarter. We just submitted all the books, uh, shipped them. We had a successful Kickstarter a couple of months back. Uh, it's called Bigs and Tiny. And it's just a, it's an action comedy duo. Uh, so it's a kind of imagine you and your best friend trying to be superheroes. And of course, we wouldn't always be as responsible or as clean cut as most heroes, the, may, the way they make them look in the comic industry. So try to be a little different and show that friendship. Uh, jabbing at each other and different kinds of things. Um, there's a lot of nostalgia in it, so if you're an 80s kid or even early 90s, you'll see some things in there that we drop as little Easter eggs. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, Brian was pushing me to do a Kickstarter, so I, I happen to run that. And also my co-writer, Ramel Hill, who's very deep in the indie universe and he knows everybody in the indie world, um, he'll be taking over the writing for that. And uh, he, he, He's done a great job. He helped me out a lot on the first issue and he helped develop the characters the rest of the way and he's done a real good job so um, I've, been, I've been lucky I've had a really good team on every series that we've done so far so the question is that you these are all your ideas and you've hired out people to write your stories or you hired people and you had to make their own creations well, I came up with the concepts um, and a lot of them I came up with the outlines uh, for Bigs and Tiny I started off with a script and I just I have so much going on. I have another business that I do. I also have my regular job. I have twins, so I have a busy schedule. But, um, you know, I hire them to be the writers, they, and I, I give them a lot of leniency to be creative, so they add a lot to, to the book. And uh, hats off to them because uh, I can't do it without them, so they've all done a great job. So this being your baby, pretty much, um, is that why you decided to make the comics yourself as opposed to going to other comic book companies and saying, these are my ideas, print my books, but since it's your baby, you're like, well, this is mine, I want control over everything, and I will pick and choose who's going to do what and where they go off. And how much, um, since it is your final say on your creations, like, has there ever been a situation where someone has said, oh, I'm going to do this, and you're like, well, I didn't envision that happening, or you just go off? Well, from the business side of it, I mean, I, I did it because it does give you a lot of um, leniency to do what it is you want, um, scheduling, um, the, the art styles, the staff that you want to hire on the, for the team. Um, so it, it's just nice to have that. You control your budget, you control the marketing, um, and, and I have a vision of my own. So if, if I'm able to do it, um, I don't see a reason not to. Um, so, uh, you know, I would suggest anybody, if they could self-publish, you know, go for it, you know. Um, in terms of stories, there's always challenges. There's always people who might not agree with something. Um, it, it could be political, it could be, I mean, just creative thought and creative differences, and it happens. It's part of the job. I mean, it's, you're always going to run into that. But um, I would say for the most part, we've had people just kind of going with, with what I've provided. And, um, you know, they've, they've even made a lot of uh, adjustments and, 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 you know, we're comfortable to address it, and we've talked about it, and we always come to an agreement. There's just never been a real big problem. So is that also true for uh, this one over here, Brian? This, 
this one's a problem over here. <laughs> so Brian, why don't you tell us a little bit about how your uh, career started and how did you get involved with uh, Dimitri? Uh, my career? Uh, it's a long time ago. <laughs> um, basically, I started uh, doing assistant work as Rich Buck, Rich Buck was assistant for a while and then um, I, I worked with Marvel, uh, went on to Malibu, Techno, Comics, a few of those other companies that are no longer with us, and uh, did some advertising work. Um, and then I've been pretty much like doing uh, a lot of trading card stuff uh, for the last 12 years or so with Tops and Upper Deck, and uh, working on MLB properties and uh, you know Marvel properties and stuff like that. Um, so. Just recently, I would say like about a year ago or so, um, you know, I met Dimitri and we just uh, started talking and, you know, started working on this book for him. Um, it's called Palladium. I can't really talk too much about it, but it's a, it's a sci-fi uh, comic and, you know, it's really cool. There's a lot of cool aliens and stuff in there, but um, that's pretty much where I'm at right now. Um, you know, getting back into the comics. So is this um, Demetrius' idea that he came to you with, I want you to work on this, or did your idea you came to Dimitri for? Um, it, it's it's Dimitri's idea, but um, I'm creating a lot of the uh, the concepts and, and stuff like that, like the, uh, the look of the aliens and stuff like that. So, you know, um, it's, it's, it's cool. You know, it's, it's fun. So can you work us, walk us through the process of how this works? So you have the idea, and you're looking around, it's like, oh, I like this guy's stuff. Let's see what you can do. Or do you like give him bullet points on what to make, and he just kind of takes it and goes on his own path with it? I mean, first, you know, I try to nail down the concept, um, you know, outline the document. I look for the writers first, and I, I usually try to finish the series uh, in terms of script. And then we'll look for the artist because the writer will give you an idea based on the way he writes on what kind of artist you need for it and the tone of it and uh, I thought Brian would be perfect for Palladium for sci-fi and he was also interested and excited about it so I, I thought it would be a great fit um, so I mean we've been working together and you know trying to make things work and, and timing and all this stuff so you know he's a busy guy he's a family guy he runs I think to every show in the country pretty much um, so <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, we're getting there. I mean, he's 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 making some headway, and uh, I think it should be out you know, early, mid next year, hopefully. And you know, it'll be a nice uh, thing to put on his his resume uh, of another book completed. So, speaking of resumes and book completed, um, this is it's been a while since you've done sequential artwork for page by page. Is it easy or is it more difficult to get back into? Is it like falling off a bike that you already know once you're on it, or is it something that you have to relearn? Um, I, at first, I thought it, I'd, it'll be a little bit tough, but um, I mean, the storytelling is, you know, it's there and it comes to me, but then it's just like laying out the design and, and making it flow. But it's just, uh, I got a lot more things on my plate than when I was like uh, 20 years ago when I was doing. So it's uh, it's been a little bit more difficult just to focus on, on everything. But the storytelling's there, you know. I mean, like, I, it's just a matter of finding the time to do everything. 
So you mentioned finding time. You both mentioned that you have kids. Um, can you talk a little bit about people who are, I guess the term would be later in, in their comic book career, not the kids that are just coming out of college, that they might find that this is something that they want to get back into, but they're like, I got kids, I got this. Was there like advice you can give them that you are doing it, so what can you say for them to do it as well? Or should they not do it? No, I mean, you should go with what it is you want to do, what your passion is. Um, but you have to really be passionate about, I think, doing this specifically. Um, this is not, I don't think, like a money-making deal until you maybe reach a certain level. Um, or even as a publisher, it takes years to really crack wide open and get the, the base that you want in terms of the audience. But um, as for artists, um, you know, he's, he's doing it, and he hasn't done it in a while, and I think he's doing really well. It's just trying to maybe prioritize, maybe, but he's doing, like I said, a bunch of shows, and being a dad is, you know, definitely keeping him busy and keeps me busy. So um, this is something I do even after work, after kids. So this is, like, really, really late at night that I jump onto this and try to finish everything. So 5 o'clock in the morning, you're, you're doing work? Is that, is that, how, it, is that how it works? Um, whenever I'm up and <laughs> I'm working, I guess I'm doing work. I, 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 don't, I, I don't really keep track of time anymore with kids. It's, it's just there's no, there's no time anymore, like in terms of, okay, your, your schedule's all out of whack. You know, it's like <laughs> so for making your own comic book on the, on the business end, do you find it to self-publish? Through going through Diamond or like online only or like limited run, like how does what's the what's the thought process on how to get your book out there? Um, I mean, we're trying to take every avenue just to kind of experiment because we're new. So um, we did start originally with Diamond, and we're still with them. And you know, our our books are you know basically all around the world. I mean, there's people in Australia, Ireland, everywhere buying it. Um, but we're still trying to expand. And I thought, like you know, like I said earlier, Brian and Ramel who's the writer on uh, Bigs and Tiny, to go through Kickstarter. So that opened up, I think, another door for us. Um, we set up the website a couple months ago, and we just got a tremendous amount of orders on Cyclist, and that's another door for us. So um, you just continue to make it available through different platforms. And uh, I think you just grow your audience that way. Now, in today's... When we started doing our show almost uh, 17 years ago... Actually, no, longer than that, 2003... Um, the comic world was very different. Now it's a multi-billion dollar company. And you speak to a lot of people nowadays, and they're always talking about their end game being having their own movie, having their own TV show, having their own this. Is that also yours, or is it you just want to have the comics, make a good story, and then see where it goes? Um, I mean, I think that's probably everybody's end game because that's where the money is. But I think you've got to focus on putting out a good product and a good story first and you know, worry about that later. Because if you don't if you don't execute your plan on the book, there's not going to be any movie or film or anything for you. So uh, we do focus uh, again on the series first and put out a good arc. And we're just trying to put out multiple different titles because um, uh, you know again I'm almost a one one man army. I'm, I'm I'm doing this from home and and uh, just trying to give people different options, different genres that we're hitting. Um, so we, you know we have a couple of things that are grounded material, and now we're hitting the sci-fi, and we did the action comedy. Um, so I, th I just think you know it's just um, just focus and try to execute all this stuff. So Brian, as an artist, and you're given descriptions of what things look like, is that easier for you to envision it, or if someone says I need a spaceship, and they just give you like more general, 
and you can come up with the ideas yourself. Which is easier for you to work with? Um, just getting, I, I guess, as much information um, of how like the characters interact and, and stuff like that also help. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, as much information usually helps. Um, and then it's just like pretty much going back and forth with Dimitri and, and fleshing it out and, and finalizing the, uh, the look of the characters. All right, so it's uh, social media time. So where can people find more about your book, your projects, more about uh, your day-to-day -day life? What if people, uh, are you looking for uh, artists and other stuff right now? Are you actively looking? What if they want to get work from you? How do you, they find you? Well, we do have our website, which is blackboxcomics.net. We have uh, Facebook as Black Box Comics. Same thing for Instagram, Black Box Comics. And on Twitter, it's Black Box Comics P for publishing. Um, so we do post and we'll let them know like, if we're looking for an artist or a type of artist, if we're looking for a dark horror um, type of book or if it's a sci-fi book. So we post that and we get a lot of feedback from people. And everyone's submitting stuff. And uh, it's good. It's good that we have the option of, of so many people submitting. And you wish you could hire all the great artists, but you just can't, you know. And um, but it's, it, you know, we just had the the luck and the option to pick some great ones, and I think we picked the right people so far. Brian, social media time. Where can people find out more about your stuff and if they want to hire you? I know you also do a lot of sports stuff. Uh, yeah, I got my own website also. It's uh, BrianComic.com, and then uh, on social media, Instagram and Twitter is at um, BCKongArt. And my Facebook is just uh, The Art of Brian Kong. Um, what else were we talking about? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I do a lot of sports stuff. <laughs> your top stuff uh, people can find like in, the, in the, the packs and stuff, right? Is that, your stuff is circulating right now, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's basically um, all randomly inserted in packs. Um, there's so many different like, uh, titles and sets that, I, that I've worked on. I, I can't even tell you which ones. <laughs> I know I did a couple of Star Wars this year and Stranger Things. Um, Marvel, I think Marvel Premiere just dropped today, actually, for Upper Deck. And, uh, you know, good luck on getting in one of my cards. <laughs> so my uh, question is, why Black Box Comics? Where, where did that idea come from? Was it from uh, something from your childhood? Was it a movie you thought? Why Black Box? Why not Red Box? Why not Green Box? What, why Black Box? Um, well, I, I think part of the... We were bouncing it around between a couple of different people, and the idea was that we're basically tearing stories that were never told, so it's in the box. And the one thing you think of a black box is from an airplane, and uh, so we're telling untold stories, basically. So I, I think it was a clever and good name to, to use. That's oh, actually kind of cool. Um, so let's see, we have about 10 minutes to go, so we have a raffle, so uh, Demetrius was nice enough to bring some stuff to raffle for our studio audience, so um, what, what grand prize do we have for one lucky winner, what, what are we going to give out? You got Cycle Lewis, you got Militia, you have Biggs and Tiny, we have the So they get to pick one item? One, any, any one item. I'll let you decide what they do. It's your stuff, so what would you like to raffle off? All, all the stuff gets All of it. All of it. Jeez, all right. So, um... All right, so we're going to have uh, Demetrius pick out one raffle ticket for the grand prize. It can't say Mark Torres, can it? It cannot say Mark Torres. What's the number on there? 544-552. Five, four, four, five, five, 
544552, and she gets everything. <laughs> is, is that what you do? Everything? Sure. Well, there you go. So, hey, yeah, she gets tons of stuff. See if you guys come down to our show. You can win tons of stuff, too. And since we're on our Facebook Live, why don't you show it to the Facebook Live camera? And she got a whole bunch of stuff. Um, wow, that's kind of nice of you. Um, so let's see. Um, final thoughts. What advice you want to give out to people out there who want to do what you're doing, or should they not do it and, and just buy your stuff? Is that, is that <laughs> what's what's the what's the advice you want to give out there for anybody, artist, pencil, anchor? Well, since you're a business guy, writer, creator, and business end, what's your advice? Um, well, if you want to read great stories, definitely read our books. That's number one. But. Um, I don't know. I mean, I just think that um, being open to suggestions and ideas, and I think uh, in the creative world, everybody's working really hard. Um, so I think they, you know, really appreciate what they create, and, and, and sometimes it's hard to take a little bit of criticism, or even if it's just to change the idea. So just be open to the suggestions, I think, would be my best advice to people. Um, because the, at the end of the day is let's put out the best product and everybody looks good and everybody's happy and the fan base is happy. Um, you want them to, you know, what they're pay you want them to get something qu of quality of, for what they're paying. Um, so that, I guess that's my my advice to them. Brian, do you have any advice for anybody who wants to be in the business or once again don't and buy your stuff instead? Um, basically, I mean, it's I've been doing it for like twenty five years or so and it's it's a tough business but it's just um you know i mean i'm happy with what i do like you know these are things i i like to draw like the properties i get to draw is like you know baseball and uh star wars and marvel so you know i enjoy that so um basically i mean just uh like Dimitri said earlier you got to be passionate about what you want to do so you know if you're passionate you know It'll work out. So when you're doing um, qu uh, when you're doing artwork, and you just said it's drawing stuff you like to draw because you're doing more sketch cards and more um, print work, but now you're doing a story. So what if in the story comes along and someone says, "Hey, I want you to draw this," and you don't want to draw this? How do you deal with something like that? Basically, I mean, it's it's part of just being professional. I mean, it's it's that's that's the part where you know. You you love what you do, but you're not gonna love everything about it all the time. And you gotta you know just take roll with the punches and and be professional. And like Dimitri said before, you know take criticism. And it's just part of uh, you know being working in the professional world. You know you gotta be able to do that. So. All right, so, all right we got a question from the audience. Yes, sir. He wants to know because he's a comic book writer. He works with Marvel and stuff and artwork. People. What is your favorite? Well, this is so that they can listen on their. All right, yeah. All right. What are you looking forward to for the MCU Phase Four? All right. What are you looking forward to in MCU Phase Four? What is? What did you like about the MCU? What are you looking forward to, or are you pretty much done with it uh, after Endgame? I actually didn't see Endgame, so. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I, I enjoyed, uh, you know, the comics when I was younger, and, you know, I enjoy most of the Marvel movies, but it, it's, for some reason, it's, it's just not the same anymore. Like, I don't know if it's just, like, uh, over... 
the, the special effects and everything is like sort of like desensitized me a little bit. Um, but it was like uh, I think I enjoyed like some of the cheesier stuff that we grew up on <laughs> for some reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, they just I guess they'll just put out the movies, and you know, if I have time to watch them, I'll watch them. What about you, Dimitri? Did you uh, like the uh, old stuff, new stuff? What are you looking forward to, or you're just so engrossed in your own stuff that doesn't matter what anybody else is going on? Um, being that I have my own stuff, it's been keeping me busy, but um, all the old stuff, new stuff is great. Um, I mean, you know, Marvel's done a great job. I mean, you can't really complain. They brought things to life that we've been probably waiting for since we were kids. So, um, I mean, I'm looking forward to, like, Shang-Chi and Blade, uh, Moon Knight, uh, all these things. So they have a lot of good stuff coming, and uh, it's just a matter of execution, and they've been doing that. So um, I have confidence it'll come out great. So. All right, so we're at final thoughts. We're almost out of show time. So final thought, uh, final thought for anything you want to mention as anything we've talked about today or just in general, final thought? Um, no, I mean, you mentioned about the, the team and, like, how to work with everybody. And so one of the other things would be is to be a team player. And it's part of taking the criticism and suggestions, but um, just being a team player and being able to work with people and having respect uh, goes a long way, I think. Um, and then you look forward to working with them again, so... Um, that's just some additional advice. All right, Brian, final thought? Um, the only thing I'm thinking of right now is New York Comic Con. <laughs> um, just trying to focus on that and uh, my, you know, working on some new exclusives. Um, I'll be on the floor at booth 1163, so if you guys are going to New York Comic Con, be sure to stop by. All right, so my final thought is this. Um, I've, known, I said, I've mentioned this a couple of times. I've known Brian for a long time. Much continued success. Um, I'm looking forward to reading the book because um, you actually uh, did a little uh, thing for me a couple of years ago, which was our, which we were that close to getting work for Marvel uh, Comics. I'll never forget that. And you did a little, um, what was it, four pages for a, a, a property that we were going to do. So I always appreciate your hard work and your quality work and much continued success. And Dimitri, it's a pleasure meeting you. I want to thank you for coming all the way down here, traveling miles and miles all the way down to the uh, East Meadows Jewish Community Center for our live show in front of our live studio audience. Yeah. So that about does it for this week on I Came From the Radio. Uh, join us right here any week on this radio station. If you miss any part of the show, go to our website, www.camefromtheradio.com. Listen to the archives. It'll be up any week or so. Um, we have a Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, and you can follow us on such places as... Uh, Got to get pull this up here. Oh, I lost it. Oh, no, I lost it. There we go. Overcast, Pocket Cast, iHeartRadio, Google Play, iTunes, Breaker or Breaker, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Spotify, Podbean, Player FM, Soundcast, Acast, Castbox, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podmus, Luminary, Blueberry, Mixcloud, Apple Podcasts, or you can just go to our website and uh, the archives are on there. We have an embedded place. You can listen to our show there. Um, our next show will be on the 9th of October at the East Metal Jewish Community Center. It will be, yeah, I have it, October 9th. Um, we're going to have uh, Christy, uh, Custom Case Christy, so we'll be having some sweets, uh, some creek steaks for you guys to come down. So there will be samples and for our raffle. So um, thank you very much for the for the audience. Really appreciate you guys coming down here. And uh, we'll see you uh, next time. 
Special shout out Kelly Gordon, East Meadows Public Library. Thanks You've a lot. been listening to It Came From the Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.